Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Paddington. London is a place for me. London, that lovely city. You could go to France or America, India, Asia, Australia. You gotta come back to London City. This is a live-action, animated, adapted screenplay, slapstick British family adventure comedy. Directed by Paul King. The cast includes a bear, the Earl of Grantham, Elisa Esposito, Isabel Bigelow, and Q, as well as Molly Weasley. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on a service I've never used before called Voodoo. How was that for you? It was weird. It definitely, I definitely paused it at one point to write down a quote, and then it just quit me out of the movie, and I had to start it over. So that was not a great experience. I think I've messed with Voodoo in the past because it's free. But um, yeah, I went with Amazon this time. It was the only service that like offered it for sale, and it was ten bucks. So, yeah. um, but now you own it, so. Yeah, but we've gone over what owning a digital copy of a movie means. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll just, I'm going to have to skip a couple meals, but I got to see Paddington on Amazon Prime. Uh, Joey, why don't you give us the synopsis for Paddington? A bear stores a sandwich in a hat for entirely too long. That's right. That's the story of Paddington. We're going to get right into it with our pros in and our cons. Joey, what did you like about Paddington? This is a such a cute, wholesome movie. Um, Paddington the bear actually looks amazing um, for, despite being basically all CGI. All the actors are great, the kids included, uh, especially Nicole Kidman. I feel like she really hams it up. She's really great. Um, there's a lot of these amazing, unexpected visual gags in this movie that really like elevate it to another level. Um, and the story is engaging, even though it's kind of predictable. And it's just genuinely so heartwarming from start to finish. Oh, I totally agree. I think this movie is, first off, it's funny. It's a kid's movie that actually makes me laugh. And I'll bring up some of the specific times where I, I let out a, a nice giggle. Uh, it's a great mix of live action and animation. Paddington really just becomes part of the real world. Uh, and I was surprised, especially because this movie's from 2014. Uh, in my opinion, it, it still holds up. This movie is very British, which I'm always a fan of. Uh, and it's fun for the whole family. This kind of goes back to my funny thing. Like, I, th I think you could enjoy this as a kid, and you could definitely enjoy it um, as an adult. Plus, there's good music in this movie, um, and we'll talk about that as well. Cons, what we didn't like about Paddington. Um, I personally have issues with how they uh, you know, resolve the conflict and how they defeat Nicole Kidman, um, which we'll get into. What did you not like about it? Yeah, really, the only, like when I first stopped, after I finished the movie, I was like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. This movie is perfect. <laughs> but, but I was, I was, I read some reviews. I looked at some other stuff. I took a, a day to reflect on it. And yeah, the villain's backstory was a little weak. Nicole Kidman delivers really well, but her, what she has to work with is the weakest part of this movie. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get into it with our overall section. And 
I mean, this movie came highly recommended. The reason we were watching it is because it's so highly rated, and it's just an insanely charming movie. I um, it, yeah, like the the title character himself, Paddington, is such a lovable little guy. Um, even though his, he has like a major lack of understanding of the human world, that sometimes gets him into trouble. He always has very clear good intentions, um, and he loves marmalade like no other. Uh, and he gets through tough times with a good attitude. Just all things to love about Paddington. Have you ever eaten marmalade before? Yeah, definitely. I don't think I have. What is it? It's like jam, right? Yeah, it's like uh, thicker, though. Or, I don't know. I always Thick get marmalade, jam. jam, and jelly mixed up. Um, but I've, I mean, they sell it at the grocery store, dude. Maybe I'll pick some up and put it on a sandwich. Careful. I heard that uh, you, it's easy to develop a habit. <laughs> <laughs> What are they putting this marmalade? But yeah, yeah part- um, go, ahead. go ahead. Excuse uh, me. I'll go ahead. Excuse me. <laughs> God. Uh, Paddington, like the the bear. He, I mean, the CGI is really really good. It's so smooth. I looked at a couple of like uh, videos from uh, like behind the scenes stuff. Some of it is like kind of practical, where they have like somebody kind of in a like a a small bear suit to do like his feet or his arms if they're the only things in frame. But the other parts is like totally CGI. And the only time it ever looks like a little bit weird is when he's all wet in the bathtub. Yes, kind of, I was going to say that. When the kids scary. are like washing him right next to him, it's like, okay, this is clearly not a real bear here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still looks really good. And he has the whole thing where he shakes and there's water going all over the room and everything. It looks it looks amazing. And I'm, I'm surprised that it has held up. But in the last six years, at least, you know, it looks really good. Yeah, and I think even if you compare, actually, like compare that with another bathroom scene where he's wrecking the bathroom initially, um, especially when he dunks his head into the toilet, that was really kind of like like wow moment for me because I I was amazed with how good he looked. Oh yeah, and I think it Ben Winshaw who who voices him just really sells it. At, you know, I think that's really what elevates this to a a really great performance. Something that's totally seamless because you don't even. I mean, it doesn't take you very long to, at all to think of him as just another member of the family or just a bear in the city, right? You don't you stop thinking of him as some CGI character. You start thinking of him as a bear, and that, but in some ways, it's kind of a shame because you don't you miss some of the amazing work that is done to make him fit into this environment. But on other hands, it's it's just like a such a charming movie that it just brings you along so well. Yeah, I mean that's the. That's the point. They do such a good job, you forget that they're even doing the job, you know, the animators. Um, But beyond Paddington, the Brown family is great. They start out as this functioning, dysfunctional family where everyone has their own issues, and Paddington helps them get over those issues. Not always directly, but his presence in their life helps to shake things up, and they end up in a much better place. Like, I love Mr. Brown's kind of arc where he used to be this carefree motorcycle riding, like, badass. And then he regresses into this overly cautious risk analyst because he has children. Basically overnight. I mean, (laughs) takes one kid, he sells the motorcycle, gets, like, a beige uh, station wagon. He's, like, 
cuts his hair. He's wearing like a sweater vest and everything. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> and he's, uh, you know, his heart's in the right place. You know, it's not, it's not entirely misguided what he's going for here. But I love how they, uh, you know, go beyond just being an overly cautious father by making him a risk analyst. And yes. he has all these percentages where he's like, Jonathan, stop jumping. Don't you know that 7% of childhood accidents begin with jumping? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, that's... That uh, had me laughing. And, and, you know, he had his other times where he brought that up. But uh, he wasn't the only one who changed. Mrs. Brown, uh, she already started off as probably the most similar to Paddington or, or like, the most, um, like, she had the biggest heart in the family to begin with and, and definitely was the reason Paddington even went home with them. Uh, but, you know, she had trouble finding inspiration for her illustrations. Um, Judy is embarrassed, as they put it in this uh, movie. And Jonathan is super smart, uh, but his dad won't let him reach his full potential because, you know, it might be dangerous and his dad's looking out for him. So um, they all have their transformations through Paddington's influence where Mr. Brown learns to take risks again. Mrs. Brown finds inspiration in Mr. Brown for her illustrations. Judy gets over her embarrassment and Tony finally gets to visit the house. Uh, and Jonathan is allowed to experiment with rockets again, which is really, (laughs) that was the goal from the beginning, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Launch the rockets from inside the room. Right. Which is, uh, as a risk analyst, I I feel like you don't even have to be a risk analyst to notice that that's a bad choice, but Mr. Brown's a risk taker once again. So, uh, very dynamic (laughs) character. So I, I liked that. I, I found myself, uh, you know, I, I, I found a reason to like each member of the family and, um, so it, 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 it made sense. You know, the, the, the message that they're sending here is that you can be your own person and still be part of this family unit. Uh, and I think that that message comes across loud and clear. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's supposed to be reflected in Paddington's like signing off message. Right. Where he says that in London, nobody's the same. And that means that everyone can fit in. So the same thing is true for the Brown family, where they're kind of a microcosm of that. Oh, that's that's exactly right, which is a great transition to what I want to talk about next, which is the city of London. This movie is very much about London as, as much as it is about Paddington, and um, that's fantastic because I love London. It, uh, it shows London as this magical place where, first off, it rains a lot, okay? Don't get, don't get 107 it. words for rain. Yeah don't, yeah, don't get it twisted. It's definitely a place where it rains a lot, um, but also where anyone can fit in um, because everyone there is weird. And, you know, it's it's not that you can assimilate. It's that there's no need to assimilate. You can just be there and you're at home. Um, I think this is somewhat of a social commentary, uh, you know, with uh, things like Brexit coming up shortly after the release of this movie or probably I'm, I'm sure there were very much, you know, the uh, precursors to Brexit that were uh, in the forefront while this movie is coming up uh, and talks of xenophobia in uh, London or just in England in general. Uh, but this movie has a positive message saying that despite all of that, London is still for everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to get into it a lot later. But this is, I feel like there's no, it's no accident that this movie came out at this time. Uh, it was released in the year 2014. Um, especially since when this book, when Paddington was first invented in 1958, uh, London and England and all of Europe really was facing a similar struggle. Uh, with immigration so it's a it's a very purposeful thing you're asking yourself why did they make this Paddington movie today maybe it was just to make money but it was also to kind of send a certain message I think 
Um, Nicole Kidman, as you said earlier, is fantastic in this movie. She plays the heavy, as we learned in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what she's supposed to call the bad guy, right? So, uh, oh, I totally missed that. <laughs> what? I forgot about that. Uh, well, she plays the heavy. She's Millicent, um, and she's plenty evil in this movie. I, I am actually, um, I actually like her origin story. Um, yeah. I agree that there's not much to it, but it, it kind of, it at least makes sense uh, without justifying her pursuits. Um, because she has these, you know, cool, like not necessarily good things that she values, fame and fortune, that her father willingly gives up in the pursuit of being a good man, right? Uh, but she clings to those things, which end up leading her down a dark path. Hmm. Okay. No, I can see that. Uh, I mean,. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, oh, he would—he got kicked out of the geographers' guild, you know, these preppy guys who were putting animals in in a museum or whatever, and that was like their, you know, their claim to fame, I guess. I don't know. And then she's like, I'm well, going to avenge my father by by putting a, an animal in the museum, you know. <laughs> right, right, but but it wasn't just an animal in the museum. It was the animal. It was the one that her father refused to add to the museum, which caused the downfall of their family. That they could have had fame and fortune. Honestly, yeah, it does seem like she turned out just fine. She's literally working at the museum. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's something poetic about her being able to reclaim what her father chose not to. Um, I mean, because the geographers guild, they go. It's so silly because they they're like, you have to get a sample for your expedition to count. When there was great film, like he caught, he captured <laughs> an amazing, uh, you know, sample of what it was like to be in darkest Peru just by filming it. So uh, yeah, the geographers guild is very, very misguided, very antiquated way of showing that they visited places, um, and I, it made me once once that part of the movie. Um, happened where it showed her origin story it made me feel a lot better about the destruction at the geographer's guild in present day because i thought i was like wow these hooligans ran in there and destroyed things and it, they were just trying to find you know these records that were supposedly like non-existent but at the same time they just like caused a huge mess at this amazing building with all those tubes yeah well okay as soon as they show those pipes and all that like intricate machinery then you reflect back on maybe just the last 15 minutes of this movie. You're like, oh, no, what is Paddington going to do to this place? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and as it was happening and stuff, all I could think about was like, gosh, imagine maintaining that stuff, you know, Getting, trying to clean all those pipes and everything and make sure that all not, none of them are clogged. That like thing at the top is like powered by steam or something that's like constantly moving in a hundred different directions at once. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a there's a real crew of engineers in the background that is constantly hitting their heads against walls trying to figure out how to get that thing to work. Just like an engineer for you to think of that. And <laughs> and then one sandwich. All it takes is one sandwich, and the whole thing falls apart, explodes. Have you ever seen those in real life? I remember I used to go to the bank with my mom in the drive-through, and she used to put things in the tube. Yeah. We had one uh, when I worked at the movie theater for sending uh, for sending messages or or money from the uh, uh, the office to the front uh, to the box office. You could, there was a vacuum tube and you could put. Oh, it in there. that makes sense. It was cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Did you ever put any sandwiches in there? I, I did not, but I should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to Nicole Kidman 
she really hammed it up as this uh, evil, you know, almost seductress, and uh, I and like she was all about that action, you know, coming in from the ceiling with her guns or dark guns, and um, it was she was fantastic. And uh, as the only actress that I like actively recognized in the, in this film, I thought she really brought that kind of a list, uh, you know. Um, you know, actor style, you know? Yeah. 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 Is she an A-lister? I don't even know how, who maintains those lists, but I don't know what the list is. I recognize Nicole Kidman without really even, Okay, I think A-list means if their name is on the movie, you go see it basically. Right. Right. Thinking like Tom Cruise or like Keanu Reeves, Tom Hanks. Right. 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 Uh, I don't know, but she's British too, isn't she? Um, I don't know. Um, is she? Great question. Now I brought it up. I know. Why do you do this, dude? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's find out. She was born in Hawaii. Nice. So Nicole Kim is actually American. And this makes <laughs> is it's actually is um, fitting, I think, because this movie is British, not American. Uh, so having her be, uh, I mean, it's also very supposed to be, it, okay, this doesn't go with the theme of the movie at all, but <laughs> I like that they brought an American as the villain because they're trying to put London in this amazing light as like, uh, everybody here's good. And, uh, this American over here, uh, is I doing think she knows what's stuff. best. Yeah. I mean, well, don't you just appreciate that there's at least some American representation oh yes yes actually i was gonna say that as much as i love how british this movie is i did start to sweat a little bit thinking about the fact that this movie could have gone through with zero american actors and luckily nicole kidman comes through for all of us uh, by providing that good old american charm that red white and blue charm that we feel like all movies if you're gonna have a real blockbuster movie I feel like you can't be Hollywood without at least one American. And Nicole Kidman comes through in a way that only an American could. So, um, you know, top marks uh, to, uh, you know, uh, Nicole Kidman as the heavy. Well said. But moving forward, Mr. Curry, a guy uh, that his introduction was, uh, I was... It's like, is he just going to be the crotchety old man? Is that going to be his role? But he ended up being super dynamic. Uh, he, he, I loved the twist of him joining the good side, uh, especially because when Paddington was home alone and all that destruction happened when Nicole Kidman showed up, I was actually mildly frustrated because... I couldn't think of a way that they would be able to resolve that. The Brown family would always think in the back of their mind, yeah, Paddington's great, but he did totally lie to us when he destroyed our house. There, there's no way totally for him to lit clear our, his name. Totally lit our house on fire while we were gone. Right. Like, he's great, and we love Paddington. No, obviously we love him, but he is a total liar who does try to destroy <laughs> our house, okay? So I was. it was really nice. That Mr. Curry, basically the only character who could have cleared his name, did actually switch sides uh, because, you know, he's a classic Londoner, okay? He might be a crotchety old man. He might be a, kind of a horn dog, but he couldn't stand to see the brutality uh, that Millicent was going to carry out by taxidermying uh, young Paddington. So, um, you know, I was, I was actually quite excited to see how much of a dynamic character Mr. Curry turned out to be. Yeah, well, he got rejected by his lady and everything. And then, of course, like there, there's that hilarious bit where she has taxi written on the side of the, <laughs> of, the of the van. But when she closes it, it's a taxidermist. It's incredible. Oh, man. 
Yes. So um, no, I, I I agree, and I I also really liked the part where he called in and then. He was trying to pretend to be someone else. Like, this is an anonymous call. They're like, Mr. Curry? <laughs> they, they just totally see right through it. It's like, it's Mr. Mr. Curry, Mr. Curry he's doing a your funny voice. voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, which actually is a good transition to just generally appreciating the sense of humor this movie had. I mean, there were definitely some dark tones, like watching, um, oh, what was his name? The, the... Uncle Pazuzu. One more time. Uncle Pazuzu. Uncle Pazuzu's death Sorry. was actually, I was like, dang, that got dark quick, you know? And um, even uh, Montgomery Clyde ended up being dead. And, you know, there's some realness to that. But for the most part, this movie is super lighthearted and super funny. Um, I mean, they have stuff like the whole uh, Buckingham Palace guard taking all those things out of his hat. That was incredible. That was so funny. And they had been building <laughs> towards that with having the uh, marmalade sandwich inside of Paddington's hat. And, uh, you know, just the offhand little comments that are, are only funny to adults. Like when they were discussing how Lucy is really good at understanding other languages and they have like the sample sentence and the one that you hear as it's transitioning to the next like room in the dollhouse is a guy saying like, I've been accused of insider training and I were uh, of insider trading and I require legal assistance. <laughs> that was a sentence. <laughs> and it's inherently... Difficult for children to understand that sentence because how would they understand? Like, kids don't understand lawyers and, and insider trading. Uh, trading, but that's yeah, yeah. So such a hilarious thing to practice saying. Yes, but what about like the? I mean, there's so many great visual gags, and I mean they're they're subtle too. Unless you're really like you're really like paying attention to everything. Like when uh, if you're when you first see Nicole Kidman and she's in the uh, she's in that room and there's all those animal heads mounted on the wall. Um, and then her whoever it is, the guy comes in and it's like, I, I saw a bear on the thing. And she's like, oh, no. And so she goes into another room adjacent to the one with the animal heads. Um, and in there is a bunch of animal butts. Yeah. <laughs> they just she didn't just mount the heads. She mounted the whole animal through the wall. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And, and that just is that kind of humor lives throughout this film and it, it's full of these little witty jokes and yeah visual gags and british comments like just saying things that are super british very self-aware uh the british the, the brits aren't afraid to make fun of themselves i, I love all of it. it it really uh keeps the movie lighthearted and, and and enjoyable oh yeah and all of the great like paddington gags and stuff where he's flying through the air or, or destroying things and stuff it's all visual you know there's not a lot of exposition building up to oh paddington is going to do say something funny or something or 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 is going to lead to some funny interaction or miscommunication it's it's all like you're watching him just do something and it's like oh no don't do that paddington <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> i think one of my favorite scenes has to be the bathroom scene where yes. he sticks the toothbrushes in his ears, and then <laughs> it only goes downhill from there. Yeah, so he destroys the whole bathroom. But first, he fills it to the brim with water, <laughs> so that, and they only notice when it like what a seat, like what a tight like ship they run, right? Like doesn't doesn't leak out the door or anything. It's not until he opens the door that you get a whole flood of water. Well, if you if you saw the rug in the bathroom pushed up against the crack under the door, so definitely yeah, yeah. watertight. Definitely. <laughs> My favorite one is definitely when he's uh when he p finds the the pickpocket. Uh, the guy loses like he drops the wallet that he stole because Paddington saw him, and um, and then he, Paddington goes after him to try to return the wallet. 
Um, uh, but it just gets worse and worse. He's on a skateboard, then he's on a bu- like behind a bus, and then he's holding a leash for a dog on the, like riding the skateboard on the bus, and he goes through a cloud like a bunch of uh, uh, clothes, um, and he's wearing a police helmet, right? So it's like has a siren and he has a whistle on. And then as he goes by a cop car, <laughs> the cops are like, "Officer in distress, we gotta help this guy out." <laughs> We don't know what's going on. The situation is, but clearly, a, an officer bear just uh, just drove by, and he needs our help, so we need to assist him. And then he's in the air with an umbrella, and he lands perfectly on the guy's back. Well, oh, in so the funny. in the GPS is like <laughs> bear left in 100 yards, and he looks, and there's bad and there's the bear. <laughs> That was incredible. Oh, yes. Oh, man. That's fantastic. I mean, another one, this is less funny, but just more a cool visual, was the brown household as the dollhouse that was inside the brown household attic. Amazing. It was such a creative way to be able to quickly summarize the entire family and give us a good look at their cute little house. I mean, that's the dream. That was like the one thing about the Browns is I'm like, okay, they're clearly well off. Look at their amazing house in London. Like they're, <laughs> like it's a little bit of, uh, you know, it's just they have this amazing house, which is great for the movie. Um, and it almost is like, how many houses are like that in London where they have the spiral staircase and all the cute like branches and trees that are painted on the walls and stuff? Yeah, it's awesome. No, the the dollhouse as like a visual metaphor was awesome because. You see it. You see the dollhouse just as a dollhouse, and then they zoom in on it, and then you see like everyone in the rooms and everything. And and some of that behind the scenes stuff I saw, you a lot of that is like a big practical set that they were moving around the rooms individually, um, and kind of like almost stacking them on top of each other and all sorts of stuff. So it, it's incredible, uh, like the amount of work that went into that whole scene, and it's just to kind of give you a like a a brief interlude and a brief uh metaphor for what's happening in the house and who uh, what's going on um yeah I, I love that kind of stuff I, I think that kind of attention to detail is what makes this movie great oh yeah even if it doesn't last that long very memorable part of this movie i can still see oh, yeah. it in my mind another well, thing they keep returning to it too they do um i really enjoyed the street performers as well these guys they don't get an explanation, but I don't think that you need one. Did they even exist? Who knows? They're just part <laughs> of London. They, I, I love the way that they were fit into every situation that the movie put them in as if they were already there. They're just part of the environment. And their music is so lively and fun and welcoming. And I just, every time that they showed up, I was like, all right, they're back. Yes. <laughs> I, I know. I, I wish I saw more of them. They were awesome. This the, So I... Through some of my research for this, I actually found that there is kind of an explanation for them in a way. Uh, so back when this movie, well, sorry, back when Paddington was invented back in 1958, the first Paddington book came out, uh, written by Michael Bond, I believe his name is, uh, was around the same time that there was an explosion in London of Afro-Caribbean people moving to the Notting Hill area in london which happens to be where paddington is um and the there's this whole thing it's called the windrush scandal um which uh basically is like some concerning people who were wrongly detained denied legal rights threatened for deportation um and wrongly deported this was i mean this was something that happened pretty recently but it was with this same group of people and um their music and everything was kind of infused with this area when they brought in their culture into this 
into this part of London. Um, and so when Paddington arrives in right here, it, it actually makes perfect sense that he hears music like that. Ah, uh, because it's that's amazing. culturally relevant. That's awesome. And they were, I mean, the music is great. Um, and it, it's even better that it makes sense that it's there. Um, for me, I think the animation and direction of this incredibly wacky movie are just absolutely perfect. Um, I think the, the main way I would describe this movie is escalation. Um, every time that Paddington gets into a situation, it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And it feels appropriate. Um, sometimes you see movies, like especially ones that come out recently, that what they'll do is they'll, like, they'll try to bring you into some sort of fake jump scare. Um, like They'll set up a situation. You're like, oh, no, I know what's going to happen. He's going he's gonna to fall into the tank of electric eels and turn into Electro. You know, he's going uh, you know, gonna to open the door and there's going to be a scary face behind it, right? And then, you know, obviously it doesn't quite happen that way. They set it up and then it just it falls away. And then immediately after that, they're like, oh, the, the face was actually behind him after he opened the door. Oh, when, like, he, he missed the first step when he was going up the electric eels, but he caught himself. And then something came down and hit him and then he fell into the thing, right? It's this, uh, oh, like we're, gonna, we're telling you what's about to happen. Then it doesn't happen. Then it does happen. And it's really annoying. Yes. <laughs> I really hate it. This movie doesn't do that. All it does is just escalate. There's like actual moments where like Paddington is falling or Mr. Brown is like, he slips off the ledge and you're like, oh my gosh, like he's really falling. <laughs> like how is he going to get out of this one? And they, and they catch him, you know, they, they bring it back in. Um, and I feel like that, that's not quite a fake out in a way. It's an escalation of what they've been doing. And it's told and directed and shown in such a, a nice way that it doesn't feel like they're tricking you into it. They feel like they're like, it's just getting more and more intense until we can resolve it, uh, which I, I find very much more satisfying um, to watch. <laughs> We're on a roll here. Yes. No, I mean, um, okay, well, I guess since you brought it up, I, I can jump ahead to it. I feel like what you just described is what happens when they defeat Nicole Kidman, which is why okay. I have kind of a problem with the climax of this movie because they have this amazing speech. The Brown family is truly united and they've included Paddington on that. The character development is complete and we're ready to resolve our conflict with our antagonist, but how are we going to do it? She's got them cornered and she's totally comfortable with shooting them with sleeping darts and yep. Paddington, you know, he's going to save the day by finally using the sandwich, right? And throwing it at Nicole Kidman and then all the pigeons attack her and she's like whoa 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 and you're like oh my gosh she's gonna fall and then she doesn't and then mrs bird randomly pops up and she's like the crow's nest and nicole kidman falls to her <laughs> oh, like death essentially except she totally catches a flagpole and somehow doesn't fall before the authorities arrive and force her to do community service i was a little bit disappointed with this based on the way that we had seen other conflicts resolved because uh, yeah, maybe the throwing the sandwich at her with the pigeons is a little too simple, but come on. How did we not get one of these like escalation Rube Goldberg cause and effects that led from one small action to a bunch of other things happening to that being the thing that puts Nicole Kidman away for good? I felt like they set it up so well throughout the movie and to have Mrs. Bird just ex machina <laughs> to save the day to me was kind of a massive uh whiff on what could have been a memorable defeat for our antagonist yeah the only thing i'll say is that like, i completely agree with that the only thing i'll say is that they were setting up the sandwich thing the whole time um like that was a it was a, from the beginning 
set up that they were trying to pay off. And they can't have Paddington kill anyone. That would be awful. My problem isn't <laughs> that Nicole Kidman didn't have the die. Main... <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Paddington can't attempt murder. <laughs> You can't have him throw a sandwich at That's not at what Nicole I'm asking Kidman, him to do, though. And then, and then she falls to her death or, like, falls off and grabs the flagpole or something. That's, Paddington is, is too complicit in, his, in her, like, defeat. He has to be a little bit less indirect, I think. Yes, but yes. No, I just, I, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be the way they go about it. What if Paddington finally, like, to do, like, to, to resolve this the situation, he goes for kindness. And he's like, what if I gave you my marmalade sandwich or something? Or maybe she even stole it and started eating it in front of him as, like, a way to be, like, in your face, Paddington. And then she gets attacked by all the pigeons. And she's like, whoa, whoa. And then all these, like, other things happen, which end up, like, making her get captured. How, how come that's not the way we do it? Instead, we get kind of this shoehorned Mrs. Bird is the real hero of Paddington and she's the one you should really love not the bear that is that's fair I didn't think of it that way but you're absolutely right I did have I was disappointed in that that bit I just didn't quite put my finger on it but no that's just the way, that's how I felt this. I, this in an otherwise like spectacular movie and I'm not saying that the way it ended is terrible I do like Mrs. Bird she really comes through in the third act but I don't <laughs> agree with the the exact choices they made and I think they easily could have done it better uh you've sold me on it I agree so um but to kind of uh wrap up our overall section it's nice to see quality children's films still being made. I think we're all kind of nostalgic for our own childhood and seeing all the Disney remakes become the most popular thing really makes me kind of feel disillusioned to children's entertainment in this day and age. But movies like Paddington can still have massive appeal, but also be good filmmaking and tell like a decent story while also being incredibly charming. Uh, it makes me feel like if I had a kid, I'd be proud if they were like obsessed with Paddington in the way that kids right. get obsessed with these kind of movies. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This movie had my heart in a grip from the very beginning. It just I was just swept away by its charm and whimsy. Um, whimsy, I should say. It, it seriously... Uh, well worth a watch and it delivers is very satisfying. I think it's amazing when you can make a movie that is something for both adults and kids. I mean, you mentioned this earlier, but Paddington does more than just that. It, it, it's not like a f full of crude references or innuendo. It's like, it's a really well-made film that rewards you for paying attention. Um, and it's telling jokes that anyone can understand um, if you have like the, the correct you know context without it being like too awkward like what did he mean by that daddy is like yes uh, I'll tell you when you're yes. older son exactly yeah they're just offhand if you don't understand them you're totally fine with just cruising on past so um, right. I I feel like uh, I mean the reason I wanted to watch this movie is because I heard Paddington was so good and I feel like the hype is uh, earned by at least Paddington 1. I've also heard Paddington 2 is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do that one next, I but, but we're not done yet. Now we're going to talk about some cool Easter eggs, and I believe you have some, Joey. Yes, I have a, quite a few. Um, so that one of the first visual gags you see is uh, Paddington on the station, and he's standing in front of the lost and found, except that only the lost part of the sign is lit up or visible. And there he is. He's lost. There's no one else around. You know, the, the last train is coming in. There's no one will take him home. No one wants to you know look at him or, or care for him. 
And then when Mrs. Brown shows up and gives him, you know, her attention, suddenly the little found uh, light turns on and he's no longer just lost. He's found again. Ah, it was so cute. Yeah, it was cute. I like that a lot. I also uh, like that his name came from a station. Uh, public transit is extremely in- in- important in London. And uh, I didn't know where his name came from. I thought that was just like his straight up name. <laughs> yeah, it's Paddington Bear. Um. So a couple other things, the, the color change in the house after Paddington leaves. So after he, he overhears Mr. and Mrs. Burr talking about him and how, you know, they, they don't, they feel like they can't trust him. They have to take uh, him to the authorities. The take him to the authorities. That's right. Turn him into the government, get him locked up in bear prison. Um, <laughs> the, the whole, it's, it's very clear. The, the whole movie just like starts to mute its colors, especially inside the house with the characters. You know, all, all the, you know, brightness and like vibrance that was in the house has suddenly disappeared, which I think is a very clear metaphor for Paddington leaving. I thought oh yeah, no. And I mean, cool. it's kind of obvious that, but like the rain is that much darker. The city of London itself is more monochromatic. That's a good, that's a good point. I, uh, didn't really realize that, but it, it really adds to the mood because it's very sad when he decides. It to is sad. <laughs> and he's like going out in the rain and talking to everybody. And they're, he's like, I'm looking for Montgomery Clyde. And they're like, I'm Marjorie Clyde, sonny. <laughs> <laughs> and the people of London are so nice. I was actually, that particular exchange, I was like, would I even tell somebody my real name if they came by, if they knocked on the door and they're like, I'm looking for Barney, you know, I'm like, I'm Benjamin, you know, like, would I even, <laughs> would I even go that far? Would I just be like, go away, you know, you're not, you got the wrong house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so one of the, so the, uh, the uncle bear, his name is uncle Pazuzu. Um, and they show a picture of a boxer who apparently he was named after. Turns out that boxer was not named Pazuzu. His name was Raymond Cazo, which was, he was a French boxer. Uh, but his, uh, his apparent claim to fame, besides being a, a famous French boxer in the 1930s, is that his picture is referenced in this movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I thought that was kind of cool. They, what, it, he really was a real boxer. His name was not Pazuzu, so... That is, uh, that's kind of cool though. You know, maybe he w- didn't reach notoriety in his life, but one day, you know, it, he eventually, maybe did. that's the, maybe that's the, the thing we should all be like trying to achieve, you know, enough, uh, like notoriety that one day we're referenced in the children's movie about bears. <laughs> I can only dream. <laughs> we can only dream of such a day. All right. Uh, this next one I thought was really weird. Nicole Kidman taught herself or learned how to throw knives for this movie. Now, you may uh, remember when you were watching it that there was very little, if at all, any knife throwing in this movie. And that's because all of those scenes where she was throwing knives were cut out because they were too violent because she was too freaking good at it. (laughs) (laughs) She said the other cast members and crew said that she needed to tone down the knife throwing because it was too much. (laughs) Wow. Um, Sure. Nicole Kidman learned knife throwing for this movie. Sure, that's why she learned it. Definitely, yes. this is a great alibi. I mean, you, can, you can definitely put it on like a, a business expense, you know, knife throwing classes or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, one of the key plot points of Paddington is that he goes to London because he heard a story from his aunt, who heard it from the Explorer, that there was this time when all these children were being moved around uh, because there was a war. 
um, and they had they had nothing but the clothes on their backs and like a suitcase and a little label around their necks. And that's what Paddington goes to London with. All he has is his suitcase full of marmalade, his little hat with a marmalade sandwich in it, and uh, a little label around his neck that says, please look after this bear. Thank you. Um, and his... <laughs> So cute. <laughs> um, he uh, so this is a real thing. This actually did happen in World War in World War Two, which is, I believe, your favorite war, right? Uh, it's definitely um, Phil <laughs> Dunphy's favorite war in okay. Small Soldiers. I think so World Dunphy? War Two is my favorite war. <laughs> so uh, during this time, uh, there was there was bombings and stuff happening in London. Uh, Three point five million people. Uh, were evacuated from the city or or moved around, uh, including 10,000 German kids in what was known as kinder transport. So, wait, wait, wait. I'm um, sorry. They were evacuated from where? They were... So, the German kids were evacuated from Germany. The 3.5 million were evacuated from, uh, from like, the major metropolitan area, areas in um, in England okay. and moved to rural, rural areas. Okay. Um, and this included... Uh, the young kids, their parents uh, or mothers, uh, teachers and other helpers. Uh, so it wasn't just uh, you know children by themselves, and they would often go off and, and live with relatives and things. But this, what this was really a thing, and it was something that um, Michael Bond, who who wrote Paddington, observed firsthand when he was he would be on the train station and he saw children with tags around their necks that said you know. Look after me, please, uh, which is, I mean, a, a little heartbreaking, but also kind of inspiring, especially since it, it worked out so well. And it inspired him to write this book, uh, which spawned a franchise of Paddington stuff for years and years to come. I mean, it was definitely something that Montgomery Clyde took pride in. I mean, he took pride in London in general, uh, encouraging the, uh, you know, the bears to come visit, but also that this particular way of, of uh, life or just the, the way that they reacted to the circumstances was something that uh, he obviously had a lot of pride in. Yeah. And I think that's something that's a, I think that's worth having pride in, obviously. I think that's something that, uh, you know, we, we could all emulate a little better. What about you? Got any cool Easter eggs? I do have one, but it's more of an affable chat Easter egg because it's been too long <laughs> since I've referenced Sucker Punch. And when they were talking about, uh, they said, like, please don't take him to the orphanage when the ki brown kids were saying that they didn't want uh, Paddington to be taken to the orphanage. They're like, don't take him to the orphanage. And it cuts to this uh, sign that says orphanage, and there's, like, thunder and lightning in the background, and it's all dark almost the exact same shot as uh one of the opening shots from sucker punch uh which i thought yes I mean, it brought me back i was like oh yeah sucker punch one of my favorites it definitely did remind me of that uh, that was like the first clue that this movie was going to be something special was when they they did that whole orphanage gag because they had that and said <laughs> orphanage and scary letters and then he's like no they would you wouldn't go to an orphanage he would go to an institute where they look after kids whose parents had passed and then it shows that instead yeah. <laughs> on the same like background oh it's so funny <laughs> uh, okay so that's gonna do it for easter eggs let's move on to our quotable moments and i've got the first one friendly advice for the foreigner in london lesson three it's dusk and you pass a stranger in the street greet them politely good evening Take the conversation further. Talk about the weather. Real brawly buster, isn't it? Fact. 
Londoners have 107 ways to say that it is raining. Can I have the last sandwich? <laughs> I, this, yeah, this was another early indication that we had something special on our hands. Uh, so self-aware to make fun of Londoners for always talking about the weather, which is always the same, raining. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is when Paddington brings up different ways of saying that it's raining. He just, he knows all of them. When he when he crashes the bathtub into the into the kitchen, he says, uh, "Lovely weather for uh, farmers or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, this is just one of so, my one of my favorite early indications that this is going to be a hilarious movie. And also, I love like. I don't know, British isms, you know, like things that are typical of like humorous things that are typical of uh, like British people. And I think this is a good one. You must find a new home in London. But, but I don't know anyone there. What if they don't even like bears? You know, there was once a war in the explorer's country. Thousands of children were sent away for safety, left at railway stations with labels around their necks, and unknown families took them in and loved them like their own. They will not have forgotten how to treat a stranger. So we've already talked about this a little bit, uh, but uh, something that I want to get into more is that this movie, it has a very clear, like, like uh, kind of political, I guess you could say, uh, a message about uh, immigration. And it, it puts a lot of pressure, I guess, on the what Paddington's expectations of what London will be like as something that's accepting, uh, something that someplace that people will take care of him. And that's not really what he finds, uh, which is another interesting kind of dark twist to it. Um, and I think it's something that there are characters definitely struggle with um, having to deal with this bear that they didn't expect. But it's something that, you know, people every day deal with too, um, not uh, on both sides. People who are living in the country and they see people that they don't recognize or who look different than them uh, coming in. And there's people that are running away from natural disasters or war or something else and trying to find a better life. And um, Paddington is like a very clear uh, metaphor for that. Um, and he always has been, which is something that really surprised me. Uh, it wasn't just adapted for this movie or this time. Uh, this is something that Michael Bol Michael Bol Bond like specifically wanted to address with his Paddington books. That's yeah, that's impactful. It's it's slightly disappointing that it's still so uh, poignant even today. You know, obviously this is an idea that you would like to uh, always encourage, but it's frustrating that it's something that it feels like we still haven't learned completely. You know, like if uh, London or England had learned this lesson a long time ago, they knew how to treat that, uh, treat foreigners. And it's like almost that that's still a question today, you know, whether or not they want to continue being that way. Um, I think it's, I think it's really due to like a default human nature in a way, right? Oh yeah. It, to, to, to not trust the, the unknown to be afraid of the unknown. It's something that's built into us. But something about humans is that we're able to overcome our own programming, our own, our own nature, and, uh, and do something better. And I think that's why movies and, 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 and literature and everything like that exist like this, is to have a certain moral and teach us, like, you know, we're all better off if we, 
you know, for a little bit more kind to everyone. I think this next quote actually kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. Oh, stranger danger. What? Keep your eyes down. There's some sort of bear over there, probably what? selling something. Good evening. No, thank you. This is, uh, you know, it, it's it's really a stark contrast to, I think, what a lot of people imagine, like somebody who's like milling around, milling around near public transit, asking people for stuff. Um, I mean, he's Paddington Bear. He's this is a cute little guy, and they don't—they totally overlook the fact that he's a wild bear in a train station. And they're like, "Oh, another one of those!" Like, let's everybody look down. Like, don't don't look at him. Don't make eye contact. Ignore him. You know, no, thank you. Whatever you're selling, no thanks. You know, it. Yeah, but that's exactly it, isn't it? It like, is. I mean, you see, if you if you ever see people out on the street begging for money or or help or something like. It's it is like this. Um, there are oftentimes people that you like, maybe who look different than you. Maybe they look just like you, and that's coming can be even more disturbing. But it's uh, I I I do like this inter this interchange very much because it feels very real. It feels like something that I've definitely done in my own life. Is you know, don't make eye contact. Don't yeah. don't you know don't address it, and you'll get through this right. And I there's a lot of you know evidence for you know, people being afraid of the, of homeless people or beggars and stuff, you know, you don't know, you don't know what they're after. Um, but I think this movie does a great job of showing it from the other side. Uh, it shows Paddington as this, as per, this person with only good intentions. Um, and I mean, if you've ever interacted with other people, you know that there are people like that, that only have good intentions and just want to be uh, accepted and loved. Um, and maybe it's not their fault that they're in the position they're in, and maybe it's not their fault that they need to act the way they do. Maybe they've been taught that that's the way they should act because of how they've been treated by other people that ignore them. Right. Um, we, this is getting a little bit somber. Uh, another reason why <laughs> I wanted to bring this up is because I actually do find it kind of humorous, too, uh, that they see this bear and totally just overlook the fact that he's a bear. They're just like some sort of bear over there, probably selling something. Like like it's some sort of gimmick that he's trying to trick people into giving him money by just being a bear. Uh, I, I thought that was pretty hilarious. Mr. Brown, always keen uh, on and not getting ripped off, uh, doesn't want to just yes. the fact that he's a bear to trick him into interacting. It's, a, it's definitely a risk to interact with strange bears. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I but I... That's what's so funny, I think, about this movie and also Paddington in general. And I think it's something to be said for the city of London in a way, is that, that no one ever comments or questions Paddington's existence as a bear, right? Anyone he meets is just like, oh, it's just a bear in a hat or a duffel coat, you know? Uh, you know, you see stranger things every single day. So like, I think it goes into kind of that message at the end where that's like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be accepted in, in a strange place like London. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> Me too. I think that is cool. All right, I got the next one. What's your name? Hmm? Do bears even have names? Mm, of course we do. My name is... <coughs> Beg your pardon? <coughs> right. Um, I thought this was hysterical because he he speaks as if he's a bear and he is certainly a bear and he has a bear name 
Um, and of course, him speaking bear is something that comes up later. Uh, Judy learns to speak bear at least a little bit uh, to the Paddington's advantage later in the movie, um, which I don't know. I just think it's clever. I think it's a, a cute little thing, especially when uh, Mr. Brown attempts to spe- speak his name and he says something incredibly rude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It's a, it's a funny little gag. I mean, it definitely helps to set up Paddington not already having a name. Um, obviously, this leads to him being named Paddington and kind of a little charming camera uh, pan, which yeah. also has its little gag to go with it because he's like, look, it's perfect. And Mr. Brown's like, you want to name him Ketchup the Bear? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, All right, I got the next one too. Ah, there it is. It's my old duffel coat. Actually, it was mine first. Well, long before that, it was mine. Oh, was it, Mr. Brown? Really? Or in his first day at school. It's lovely. Wooden buttons for ease of pull. And these two sandwich compartments are an excellent idea. I must say, it suits you very well. Just want to shout out sandwiches and sandwich compartments. That's what he calls his, his, uh, his pockets in his, in his uh, coat. That uh, is also what I call my pockets in my, quote, my coat, sandwich compartments. Uh, so shout out sandwiches. You're the real MVP. Love you. My real, my question is, if you were as obsessed with marmalade sandwiches as Paddington is, would it be enough for you to wear cargo shorts? Yeah, absolutely. Cargo shorts are incredibly practical. <laughs> they are incredibly practical, but they're also incredibly unstylish. No, that's okay. I mean, no, it doesn't cross my mind. You know what I'm thinking of is. When I see a man in cargo pants, I think that guy knows what he's doing. You know, he's carrying something. He's carrying sandwiches. So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say cargo pants? Uh, yeah, is that not right? I said cargo, cargo shorts. Cargo shorts? Yes. Same totally thing. different. No, totally no. different. No. If you're a working man, you're not wearing cargo shorts to the job. You're in cargo pants if you're going to wear cargos. Sure. Cargo but shorts it, are a fashion if you're, statement. Are they? They're also incredibly practical. Because what if it's hot out and you need to carry a lot of things? That's not the only time that you can wear pants in hot weather. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to. It would be uncomfortable. Plenty of people do it. (laughs) If you work on it, what I'm saying is I think that having sandwich compartments on your legs would be potentially enough for me. If I had access to marmalade sandwiches the same way that Paddington does then I would consider maybe having cargo shorts. Something that I've, I think I've displayed that I'm adamantly against. I see. That's the, the, the dilemma is not nearly as hard for me. I feel like if, I'm carry, if I need to carry around sandwiches and I happen to own cargo pants, then the solution is right there in front of me. I, uh, I think if we pulled the audience, they might uh, dis or, or at least have an unfavorable um, feeling towards cargo shorts, but maybe that's I'm making an assumption there. I, uh, maybe you are. So, what what question do you want to ask exactly? That that the art, like how you feel about cargo shorts, or how do you feel, or would cargo sh- shorts be the price you're willing to pay to carry around sandwiches? Um, if they're the marmalade sandwiches from this movie, I think we already know the answer. But <laughs> I think the question is whether or not cargo shorts are like a terrible fashion choice. Okay. Because I think you and I disagree on that. I don't like. I I just pretend not to know, or I, I I don't know really. I mean, 
the the thing about fashion is that it's all it's totally up to you and it's made up right it's just a a, a social construct yes definitely except cargo shorts i as i understood this was a hard rule <laughs> is to never there's wear tons cargo of shorts. hard there's tons of hard rules right you can't wear plaid and stripes nothing physically keeping you from doing that but you could do it sure but I guess this falls into that category of hard rules or easy things, like easy assumptions you can make is it's like, yeah, probably shouldn't wear cargo shorts. I guess. I mean, if you're going on a date, maybe you shouldn't pull out one of your soggy sandwiches. Oh, I, okay. Well, it's good that you bring up uh, dating because I think that is really where it comes in. If you're looking to attract, if you're a heterosexual male looking to attract attention from a heterosexual female, Cargo shorts are going to hinder you in a way that's almost insurmountable. I don't know. I feel like you could rock them. I feel like you could you could overcome it, you know, in a way that's attention grabbing in itself, you know? I so, uh, fashion is all about like it's like whether you want to blend in or whether you want to stand out, right? That is not the way <laughs> I'd want to stand out. Um, I fear we're heading off on a tangent that, will, that is never ending, uh, but I think this would be a great idea for an Instagram poll. We should ask okay. uh, people if they think fa cargo shorts are uh, a terrible fashion choice or if they're like a good way to stand out. Um, either way, we need I to I feel like on. people on Instagram probably have a certain bias toward that. Towards visuals? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. Or towards like being a mainstream audience, it's a very popular platform. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, <laughs> toward visuals. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. My I'm, only my eyes work, so obviously I'm on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. And and one thumb. That's all I need. Yes. Uh... <laughs> okay, I got the next quote. And being such a pillar of the community, I can see why having that beast. Moving next door would upset you, sir. I suppose I should be grateful that it's only one bear. Oh, but it always starts with just one, Mr. Curry. Soon the whole street will be crawling with them. Drains clogged with fur, buns thrown at old ladies, raucous all-night picnics. <sighs> what can we do? So this is what uh, Nicole Kitman's character says to uh, Mr. Curry. Uh... Uh, while she's trying to convince him to to turn over the bear um, and that she's on his side. I think this is um, just kind of an example of her exploiting his beliefs in a way, right? He is certainly like a example of someone who is xenophobic, so who doesn't trust uh, bears, who likes to keep a wa an eye out in the neighborhood for unsavory characters like Paddington. And she plays right into that. You know, who knows what she actually thinks about people coming to this neighborhood or or bears in general uh she has an agenda and her agenda is to get this bear so she's going to use the person who is afraid of him or uh, displays you know a, a want to, for his discomfort in the that's the mildest way you could put it um and uh uses that to her advantage i think it's i mean it's it's political. It's a, it's a it's a politician's move. It's uh, it's it's pretty clear. Yeah. No. I'm really glad you brought this one up because it's a great example of kind of like the fake news, uh, like pushing you in a certain direction. I mean, by no means is Mr. Curry wishing death upon Paddington, even though his actions lead to that. Um, she is able to 
you know, she, she knows what he cares about and she's able to manipulate him by feeding him information that's not even close to true, but because he looks to her as somebody that he can trust, he easily falls for it and it leads him in a direction to do something hateful, something that he, or to, you know, engage in something hateful that otherwise he wouldn't have done. Um, yes. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where whenever I start really hating a general group uh, that I'm like, I receive, you know, I, I read tweets, I read headlines, I read, it's like, oh man, that whole group is just totally reprehensible. I hate them. And it's like, hold on, who benefits from me believing this? Who benefits, who's telling me this stuff that is making me hate just a general pub part of the public? And why are they telling me that? You know, yeah. that's something you have to stop and try to think. Not saying that there aren't people out there that are bad. You know, not everybody is good, obviously, but it's good to take a second to like think about where you're getting your information from and think who wins when I hate somebody, you know, right. and rarely um, is it, it, rarely it's you, you know, a lot of times it's for somebody else's benefit and really not for yours. And I mean, these examples here are, are, are silly because they're all bear related, but she's playing into something that he already believes, right? It, it's not something that necessarily she thinks at all. It's, it's she's, she's confirming his biases. He's ready to believe these things. All she has to do is say that it's true. And suddenly he's more willing to follow her uh, down this path. And I mean, I think what's was nice about this interaction is what we've already talked about, where Mr. Curry realizes his mistake and tries to make amends for it. Um, and so that's, I don't know, it, it's a, a certain example of how you can carry yourself in this sort of situation because although Mr. Curry is certainly someone that we wouldn't want to emulate, I think we all act in certain ways toward you know, certain, our own biases. And how do we, what do we do when we discover that information, right? How do we make amends for that? Well, I think it's also a good way to point out that people who fall for this type of thing and believe these, you know, hateful like, misinformation, they're not totally irredeemable. It's one right. of the things that is, for, you know, it, it's another, I feel like, just a trick that's being played on people who are like, anyone who says this, they suck forever. Like, I can never uh, associate with them. They, they hold this belief, which means they're out of the club. They're not on the team anymore, and they can never rejoin. Um, and it can go as far as, like, very obvious things that are bad. Um, have you heard of Daryl Davis? Have I... Um, no. he's, he's a, um, American blues musician who later in his life, uh, he's African American. He met members of the Ku Klux Klan in, oh, uh, yeah, in a yeah. Bar. I have heard of him. Yes. Yeah. And instead of just, I mean, obviously it was dangerous for him to do this, but like he associated with them, he became their friends and through spending time with them, he got a bunch of them to like quit the clan essentially. Um, or literally, because they realized that the things that they believed were totally ridiculous. They didn't know anybody who was African-American or, you know, these other groups that they hate. And they were able to change their ways. And for you to look at them and be like, well, you at one point were in the Ku Klux Klan. It doesn't matter that you've changed your opinions. I still hate you. It's like that's that's the opposite of progress, you know? So yeah. being able to give us an example of uh, Mr. Curry... And help us to see that people who believe this fake, this misinformation, this fake news can still come around and see the light. They're not totally lost just because they made uh, a poor decision on bad information. Yes. And I, yeah, I, I've heard of, I have heard of him. I, I, I remember this one story where he went to the ACLU or something. He went to some group uh, of, you know, 
people that were fighting the clan and they were really upset with him for what he was been doing but then but every time uh, one, he made a friend with someone in the clan and they gave it up he would ask them for their hood like their uniform from the clan and he had like a whole closet or somewhere where he keeps all of them and he asked that group how many hoods have you collected you know i've i've dismantled like the clan one by one what have you done and it's just incredible that showing that compassion for people that have no compassion for you, giving them the benefit of the doubt and, and coming around that. It's awesome. It's an amazing story. Oh, yeah. And, we could do a whole I podcast mean, on Daryl Davis. <laughs> if anybody listening is interested, he just did an interview with Joe Rogan um, not that long ago where he tells his whole story. It, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and this I'm surprised that Paddington has us bringing him up. But, yes. um, you know, there's more to this movie than just being a charming little bear. I know. It just leads you to that, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> okay. Uh, one more quote. Tell us their location. We'll send a real explorer to get a specimen. Never. Very well. You leave me no choice. This expedition shall be struck from the records. Montgomery Clyde, I hereby revoke your membership of this hallowed guild. Geographers... Turn your backs. <laughs> what a dramatic thing for the geographer's skill. This is another hilarious visual gag because they're quite literally turning their backs on him. Oh man, it's a dramatic scene, but I was howling. I was, uh, I thought it was so funny. Yes, and it like highlights how petty they are too. It's really great. It is, yeah. This is, and again, I mentioned this earlier, but this is where I was like, okay, it's actually fine that Paddington destroyed the Geographers Guild because I mean, geographers aren't inherently evil, uh, but the Geographers Guild in this movie, they're definitely got their priorities wrong. They're, uh, they're all very uppity for sure. Definitely, they think that they think they're pretty awesome uh, for for uh, mapping the world. <laughs> Who needs that, right? <laughs> Who Listen, map the world, make awesome uh, documentary videos, uh, old-timey newsreel type videos. Uh, teach, the, teach everyone about different places and animals and stuff. Yeah, we don't need that. No, 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 we do need that. We just don't need to kill the animals that are there, okay? Come on. Why, that's where you draw the line. You're not a real <laughs> geographer unless you kill things. Come on. That's right. That's why they're all in it, probably. Yeah, probably, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I also, I just thought that was one of the funniest parts of the movie, so I had to bring it up. But, Joey, I believe you know what time it is. It's time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper. So we've already talked about this a bunch, but I want to hammer it home. Uh, Paddington the Immigrant is kind of the subtitle of this section. Um, I feel like there's, there's no accident that this movie came out in 2014 when... Uh, Brexit and nationalism was on the rise, not just in um, in Britain, but also in America as well. Um, and I think it's amazing that they uh, that they kind of brought Paddington back into the fold to, 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 for this representation because he originally was written as a story about an immigrant bear um, who comes to a um, you know, mysteriously shows up to a to a new city and has to learn how it all works. Um, and he does his best. He's very good intentioned, uh, but he still makes lots of mistakes and you know causes quite a ruckus in his own little way. Uh, but despite that, because of the love and respect he he earns from his uh, foster family, the Browns, um, he's assimilated into the society uh, while maintaining his 
Barry Paddington, this his bareness, uh, which I think is just wonderful. And this movie does a great job of keeping that spirit alive, I think, and bringing it into a new generation of people. I feel like that's like what the purpose of like a remake should be, or like the purpose of a character like Paddington should be. You know, you talk like you can talk about like um, like superheroes, right, and how like Superman represents like certain values, or Batman represents a certain way of life or something and how as the years have gone on those characters have kind of subtly changed to reflect what the current mood is the current zeitgeist is um and paddington is like one of those characters suddenly uh, he can he's someone you would bring in when you're like i want to make a story about an immigrant and when i wanna teach it to kids i want to talk about how this is an important message to take on um and how, like where do we pull from and here you go. You got this cute little bear who wears a duffel coat. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It makes me want to go back and read the you know, the original text of Paddington to see just how close it is. Because based on what you've said, it sounds like um, he serves the exact same purpose today, which is amazing. It's um, yeah, it's a little depressing, but it's also amazing you know, that he is that same symbol uh, through two different time periods. Definitely, and I mean he's he's been around for a while. There's been a there's been many books. Michael Bol, uh, Bond wrote almost up until the day he died, um, and there was a bunch of uh, TV shows, like a short animated series too. Uh, that was that's also out there. So there's a lot of Paddington stuff to to consume if you're interested. Um, one of the things I think is interesting is how this movie is kind of framed, and it's. It's a child. It's a children's movie, right? And the message is is very clear that it's like, oh, this this little bear that uh, is different than us. We should love him anyway, right? And it makes me think of Ben Shapiro, and how he remo- he reviews movies sometimes. It's it's always like as a joke. He always says like, oh, he brings in something, and then he talks about how it's a you know it it doesn't have a good message because it's against whatever conservative message he's trying to push out that day. Um, one of the great examples I've seen is for Grandpa Joe in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> and how he's like a freeloader, which he, sen- he totally since is, I've seen though. that video, since I've seen that movie, I've subscribed to r slash Grandpa Joe hate um, on Reddit. And it's one of the best subreddits out there posts every single day about how grandpa joe is the worst <laughs> literally the literally worse than any dictator in history it's incredible <laughs> anyway but, but i the question i want to ask is like does someone like ben shapiro have a leg to stand on for criticizing a movie like this right like he's saying like oh you know they're misrepresenting what like what immigrants are like are they they're misrepresenting what you know like an immigrant story is we can't trust these people we can't go through something like this and have them um, and just expect them to to for it to turn out fine. I mean, look at all the chaos he causes, or, or whatever, right? I mean, any of those any of those arguments are ridiculous in the in the scope of this movie, right? Because it's clear what the, Paddington's intentions are. It's clear that he means well, and it's clear that he, the things that he does don't have such a big impact on the society at large that it makes everything worse. In fact, his small contributions make him make everything better in the world he's around. So I don't know. It's, it's, I, I did look up uh, Ben Shapiro Paddington to see if there's any video, if he made any videos, but he has not. So I don't have any evidence for him not being able to address this, but I, it makes me wonder about the other side of the argument. Maybe it's just because I agree with the message that Paddington is pushing that I find it so compelling. But it's it's hard for me to see an argument for the other side that uh, takes this movie into account, I suppose. 
I definitely think Ben Shapiro wouldn't voluntarily review this movie based on because of how well it frames viewing uh, immigrants and just people who aren't like you in a positive light, which I feel like is something that Ben Shapiro does a good job of um, demonizing. Uh, I think that I would love to hear him review this movie, though, because he would sound like such an ass for being so <laughs> adamantly against such a charming little animated bear. Um, I mean, Ben Shapiro sounds like an ass on the regular, but it would be, uh, I think it would be hilarious to hear him oh, talk yeah. about how, like, you really think that the bathroom would not collapse this entire household? <laughs> this is a really good example of what the direct impact of immigrants. Like, he <laughs> <it> was... <laughs> Oh, that's good. Like, I liked your cadence there. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get a small taste of that, watch his video of him talking about the song Imagine by John Legend. I've Yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have seen it, and it's oh, the little pretentious chords. This chord is so pretentious. He did, like, I freaking... <laughs> and it's not even... Uh, like That's a, um, a frustrating one because it's not even a valid criticism. He's like, what makes chords pretentious? Those are some of the most basic chords. The, the songs are, the, so many songs use those chords, Ben Shapiro. Um, yeah. So, But I, I think it is a very funny thought experiment to think about Ben yes. Shapiro uh, attacking Paddington Bear for trying to like water down the effects of I immigration. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I, while I was while I was thinking about this, I was like, "Am I like stretching this a little too far? Am I like, am I taking this to a direction that doesn't belong?" And I found plenty of articles that that agreed with me. There's one from Vox. There's one from the New Yorker. There's one from the Guardian. And there was another one I found which was extremely interesting. Uh, I think the title is something like "An Immigration Lawyer Reviews Paddington," and he talks about uh, British immigration law. And how Paddington would probably get either sentenced, put in prison, or uh, deported pretty quickly, and that he had almost virtually zero chance of making it through the system, uh, because a lot of the things that he claims are would not hold up in uh, like an immigration court. Like natural disasters, for example, is not a is not a good enough reason for someone to claim refugee status, uh, which is. Pretty interesting. That's so depressing. Wow. Because I mean, <laughs> it's his, really... his uh, like where he lived, I thought it was going to be a global warming commentary because the way that the forest got destroyed, I was like, oh, humans are doing this. Great. Right. Great. Okay. We destroyed Paddington's now, magical yeah. treehouse. Great. Good job, humans. <laughs> Great job. I'm sure humanity. we caused the natural disaster that destroyed his house, anyways. But well, it's interesting they chose earthquake because it feels like earthquake is not something that humans directly cause. Fair. Okay, um, that's definitely fair. Maybe, maybe fracking can a little bit like microquakes or something. That's but that's not according to the commercials that I saw while I lived in Oklahoma because it's it's linked, but it's not. It's hard to make the connection. That's that's what I've I've seen. Anyway, I think that was kind of purposely chosen to to push aside that blame because it okay. easily could have been like it's a forest fire, you know, which would have been actually pretty horrifying seeing uh, Uncle Bazuzu lit, lit on fire, <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh my god! But <laughs> the idea that like humans, uh, like that the people that he's going to live with, right, or the country he's going to live in, may have had a direct or indirect cause for his like habitat being destroyed, uh, would add another wrinkle to this whole story. You're right. I think. No, I think earthquakes an excellent choice for uh, the reason for him to leave. Anyway, uh, I just thought this was like way more 
like in depth than I ever expected this movie to go into. And it, it was extremely satisfying to find all of this and to see it's the theme is so like, uh, like so well placed, right? Not, not, not necessarily ham fisted, but given in a way that's, that's subtle enough for you to, to, to want to read more, to want to find out more and find out, you know, just how, uh, what the history of Paddington is and whether he's always been an immigrant or whatever. It's just a, it's a fun movie for all ages. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you're, I'm so glad that you brought this up in this deeper section because this is really the point of this part of the, uh, like our episodes is that you find that underlying message and, and Paddington, it does kind of break the mold of a, you know, a rehashed, uh, or like a, a reboot for an existing story because it not only is it done well and it's a g- actually a good movie in itself, which is you know reason enough I guess to remake a story, but it's because the message behind Paddington needs to be echoed, especially in 2014. This came out, especially today. Also, you know, it's still something that um, is worth considering and hearing his message so um i originally was going to go over i've been to london i was going to talk about my vacation in london but i think that this we've reached something far more compelling so i i want to um, encourage people to stay on this topic think about this kind of thing joey mentioned vox the the new yorker the guardian that immigration lawyer reviews that is all in the description please um check those out if if you want to continue on this um, train of thought. It really is. It, it, this now, um, for me pushes Paddington beyond just critical acclaim. Like it's actually a meaningful film. Um, and I don't know. I think that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's why we have these conversations so we can reach that kind of, uh, you know, point of catharsis. I think that's the reason why movies like this are like why people make movies in a way, right. Is to, it's not necessarily to push out a message, but to kind of have a I don't know, a, a moral center to something, right? It, uh, I think movies in general so, sort of echo a certain moral theme. Um, and it's nice to see that uh, displayed so beautifully in a movie like this. Well, I am going to leave it at that. I think that's going to wrap up our review of Paddington, which means it's time to give it our ratings. Joey, would you like to go first? Yeah. I give this a painted tree in full bloom that's beautiful i give this movie a whole bunch of marmalade (laughs) (laughs) the more the better yes um so that's gonna do it for paddington that was fantastic i um oh man i feel like i learned so much just being a part of this conversation um and i and i love it uh joey what's next on affable chat the next movie we're doing is Parasite. Parasite, winner of um, what is the award? Movie of the year? What was it? Best film? Um, like top Grammy or something like top that. Top Super Bowl winner of the movies. And anyways, critically acclaimed. A bunch of people are hype on it, and we got it requested on Twitter. So we're going to be doing uh, you know, another uh, listener request um, when we review Parasite. You can call us up. At our phone number, 833-600-2428. Yes, that's 833-600-CHAT. If you have anything you want to comment on or a movie to request or just want to say hi, call that number. Operators are standing by. Well, 
It's just me, actually. It's a voicemail system. <laughs> but call us up, leave us a message, and you will hear it on a future episode of Affable Chat. You hear that in my voice? You will hear it, okay? Yes. I, I, I swear it that <laughs> you will hear it. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave us a review. It really helps us grow. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Affable Chat. Or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat. That's going to do it for our episode on Paddington for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>